the outside, always looking in. Will I ever be more than I've always been? Cause I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass. I'm waving through a podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Polarize Podcast. I am your host, Brandini, as I go by many names, but most popular, I think, would be Brandini. Welcome to Polarized. This is a podcast about polarizing movies, polarizing movies in the sense of Rotten Tomato scores. Sometimes critics love it, audiences hate it, or vice versa. Those are the uh, movies we cover on this podcast, and I'm excited to get into this movie today. Uh, For those who didn't know that intro, we are talking about Dear Evan Hansen, the film, an adaptation on a very popular musical. I think won six or nine Tonys, a lot of Tonys. You know, the Sopranos would probably be a little jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Or Frosted Flakes, maybe. (laughs) Or Frosted Flakes, yeah. Uh huh. Oh, my. Wow. Maybe Scarface? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> anyway, well, the, all these lovely voices you're hearing, I'm going to intro it right now because we got this energy that we want to keep going, just like the kinetic energy of the music, not so much the film itself, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, I would like to introduce now my co-host, the one, the only, Mr. James Lindsay. Oh, How's yeah. Welcome, welcome to uh, the Forever Guest. I am the Forever Guest. I'm back again. I got those jazz hands. I'm so excited to hear a little Brandini uh sing along off the bat that made me so freaking happy um dear evan brandon is your new, is yes. your new nickname for for this one um yeah i i cannot express how happy i am to be here uh this i don't know if we said did you say those numbies let me say those numbies get those yeah. numbies actually, out there yeah I'm, actually if you have it up i don't have i do i i'm yeah, i'm all numbied out right now we gotta this because i really think this is such a i don't know for a perfect for many yeah. reasons this is like a perfect movie for our podcast mm-hmm. um for somebody who had like never really heard it well i don't know i feel like i'd heard that name dear evan hansen um and i didn't know anything Just about it either. yeah kind of right. yeah and that people were talking about it but i had no idea why and i didn't care really um this came out in 2021 it has a 29 percent by critics and has an 88 percent spite almost a spi- one of those spicy 90s yeah, pretty uh, damn close. By the audience, and that is sizable. Sizable. It's close yeah. to like, what is that, like 60%? Like, what is it, 59%, uh, 60% yeah. about? Yeah. That's, that's a big chunk of uh, divisiveness over it. It comes from source material, and I think that's where people mm. get pissed if it's not done how they want it to be done. Um, but there's other reasons as mm. well, and I think that uh, this is, yeah, I'm excited to, to throw this into the old polarized canon. In the old polarized yeah, I mean, kingdom, if you will. Yes, absolutely. Oh, this, yeah, oh no, this movie. I, I'm glad you brought this up as being a perfect movie for us to cover because I completely agree. Because there, it is understandable why both camps give the score that they give, mm-hmm. and we're. And I'm excited to get into where we <laughs> all sit and where. Well, we'll get, okay, okay. Let me. He's chomping at the bed. Uh, you may remember him from our uh, political documentary movie that we did called Knocking Down the House. Uh, go check that out if you haven't. Uh, wonderful episode. Glad to have him back on the podcast. Mr. Aaron Moore, how's it going? Hey, everybody. It's going great. <laughs> Good. Oh, I'm glad to have you here because I. I brought this up to you that I watched it. I was like, because this movie has been really affecting me lately and I've been really kind of consumed by it. I probably listened wow. to the the soundtrack. I would say like f- 
five-ish times all the way through. Wow. And um, so I brought it up because, and I've even been like kind of taking it on the road, asking people if they've seen it because I've been really wanting to talk to people about it because it's like, it's such a weird movie. Yes. But the, but the music is really, uh, really something. So I think maybe that's what gets you in the door. But then you watch this movie and I a lot obviously people have opinions about it and i'm excited yeah i, I want to ask you so you listen to the soundtrack to the movie or to the mu- the actual tony o- tony award-winning musical okay so you're Both. you're you're aware of these like missing songs you've heard them in i'm aware whatnot? i i am aware of these missing songs yes and they are very necessary mm-hmm. so it's uh really such a misstep to not include them in this and for a movie that has a two hour and 17 minute runtime, you're like man you couldn't include like what are what are we getting that adds all this fluff to this runtime? and where does the time go where does the time I go guess, well i guess the one thing songs. i learned is that the connor song at the end did not exist in the musical that is one thing they they did add at least to so, to device right, to divisive opinions <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I, I think I, I really think discussing this as a whole. And I mean, usually we get into it's, I don't know. There's really not much of a structure on this podcast, but we do like to discuss the polarizing nature kind of near near the end. But it's like almost better to get ahead of it, <laughs> of some of that uh, stuff. Yeah. But I'm, I don't know. However, you got, however you want to do this, we can we can work through this, can, the story and everything. But it's just it's, yeah, it's we already started with the score. It's very, very divisive. Have you heard of this before, Aaron, let alone the musical or the yeah, movie? Um, OK. I, I heard from my girlfriend, Maggie. So we started dating just before the pandemic hit. And uh, during the pandemic, we spent a lot of time together just like uh, consuming media and sharing our favorite things with each other. And mm-hmm. turns out we both have like a big uh, penchant for musical theater. Cool. And kind of just Hell yeah. with being uh, interested in it and participating in it, like performing in local shows and stuff. And yeah, he told me about this musical and about... Um, because I didn't really know anything that Ben Platt was up to other than Pitch Perfect. And she was like, oh, well, you know, that guy oh. is a Tony Award winning actor in, in this musical. And she kind of gave me a brief and uh, really forgiving, like, rundown of the, the story. And, like, uh, she turned me on to a couple of the songs, like, uh, You Will Be Found and Waving Through a Window. And I immediately fell mm. in love with Waving Through a Window. And yeah. I, oh, like, yeah. No one saw that. Because the, the Evan Hansen uh, art is really right in my register. So okay. I, I enjoy singing his his songs from the musical, and then I kind of that's why. Uh, when the movie <laughs> Obviously, came, you know, we, we, what we is that a baritone? Is that are you a baritone? Is that what you call that? I I'd say like tenor, but not uh-huh. like real high pitched tenor. Uh-huh. Just, gotcha. Just like comfortable tenor. Mm-hmm. And we I, uh, again with that many Tonys, I would think you were a soprano, right? <laughs> Brandon, Sorry. there's only just just to clear it up. There's That's only it. one Tony in this in Sopranos, right? <laughs> I think you're under this yeah, illusion the that one. there's a I bunch mean, of Tonys. Tony. <laughs> there's a lot of Sopranos. There's a lot of Sopranos, yeah, but not don't have any Tonys. <laughs> Although my joke doesn't work, it's not. There's like a bunch of Tony the Tigers. That'd be cool though, too. That he just has like I mean, but Tony uh, Tony like my... finds a lady or, or 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 a partner or something and has a bunch of tiger tiger cubs. That'd be that'd be an interesting uh, turn for that lore. I mean, how long do tigers live? Is it a mantle that gets passed oh, no. from Tony to Tony? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, like kind of like a like like a uh, gray fox from Skyrim. Oh, oh, I was oh. gonna go with uh, Avatar, Black Panther. Oh, yeah, Black Panther. Panther. Right. I was seeing, or like Last Airbender or something. It's some sort of rebirth. Right. Mm. Yeah. Wow. 
deep <laughs> powerful stuff there okay okay so like so you got you got like an introduction to the songs uh from your girlfriend yeah. when she, so she like when it. she explained yeah. you the 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 plot what did what I was, was your like, reaction that's salacious like that oh, sounds okay. really uh hmm. like crazy really fraught <laughs> and crazy and you're like oh that's uh, so so it's this this story of this like just completely mentally challenged not mentally challenged mentally <laughs> yeah mentally unwell this like a socially situation. inept yeah th this socially uh anxious uh like mentally unwell teen who kind of finds himself swept up in a story he didn't try to insert himself into but then he like has a difficult time seeing himself out of it in any kind of with any kind of grace and then he sees himself, that is pretty uh, forgiving like, yeah being uh just you know it enticed by the popularity and mm -hmm. the warmth of this family that he finds in the the grieving parents and sister of the of the deceased kid so it's like he finds himself kind of all swept into it and he, he's like has a hard time letting all that go and i was like oh that sounds really interesting that sounds really uh compelling and and i was like oh <laughs> so then it all i guess comes crashing down so mm -hmm. I, I just it sounded interesting but i you know had never seen so i listened to the, the soundtrack and got a better idea and mm -hmm. we were both uh excited and like watched the movie right when it dropped on uh streaming streaming yeah and so we watched it together on streaming and after it ended she was like that was so good and i was like it was it was okay mm. and that was my first viewing i recently watched it again for the podcast and i was like Oof. see that i i went through a similar experience where the first viewing of it i was like wow this is really such a monumental like musical because i was more enraptured by the music and less and very forgiving of the story and then this uh, upon the second watching especially after talking to people because like i said i was taking it on the road of trying to get people's opinions on it because i just was so you were like, like a door-to-door -door, uh <laughs> door -door evangelist evangelist yeah uh not but i never presented it to people when i asked them about it as like it's really good mm -hmm. the movie it's the content of it and the music is really interesting worth discussion. and that's and that's it's worth discussion for sure but also too how contemporary and how the music sounds i think would really um people would like you know mm -hmm. by and large people would be really into the music of it so yeah but no i mean really i was trepidatious about it because i was like this movie i know isn't good but there's a lot here that i'm really enjoying so mm -hmm. it's just more like trying to probe people of like oh just like have you even seen it have you heard of it things like that and a lot of people obviously haven't seen this because like we mentioned this is a movie that came out during the pandemic mm -hmm. um so straight to streaming you know all of that and also too it really seems like the shooting of this suffered from it as well yeah. because it is um I don't know. There's something about it that is like very small. And then at times, aside from the school stuff, seems very like hermetic and like it's just like very few people in rooms, which I guess is, you know, what the musical does is it like by and large, because I watched some clips of the musical and there is it's very like sparse, few people on stage, um, you know, really evan is singing and then maybe somebody will come in say a line saying whatever mm -hmm. and a lot of it too and i, I really want to just yeah something that i appreciate too and we've covered on this podcast is like this movie and music is so so indebted to rent like there's so much about this music mm -hmm. and about this the way that this musical unfolds whatever is so indebted to rent and um yeah i don't know there's yeah i 
I'm really starting to get very into this music, especially after we've done the greatest showman on this podcast as well. And that's something that I want to kind of like start to frame and have a discussion around of like, so these two guys, um, Benji and um, I'll have a discussion with you about the music. Yeah, for sure. But um, Benji and I can't remember the other guy. It's escaping me off the top of my head right now, but like they've, you know, this is really their breakout. Um, and then they go on to do La La Land and do The Greatest Showman and all of Justin those. Paul. Justin Paul. Yeah. Benji Pasek and Justin Paul. There. Thank you. Um, yeah. Like they seem like they are now relatively important to musicals or they have made really big contributions. Absolutely. To yeah. La La Land as well. And, and in society. So there's something also too there that is worth, you know, talking about because I think I was thinking about them all in relation to each other and something in particular that stood out to me is how the director is so like, it is so crucial to the success of this transition from musical to movie. If it is, it is a shepherd by a competent director because I think if I were to rate them, I would go la la land is the best and this is the worst. And that is because of the varying degrees of competency by the directors. Well, that that's in right. order of release too. Mm. La La Land, Greatest Showman. Sure. Hanson. I feel is it whenever well, I movie returns, release, but but music wise, right there, it is a little bit more switched. This around. was yeah earlier. This yeah. was this was earlier, right? Which is so kind of a bummer, I would say, to them as the composers and and originators of this type of sound is that they're like breakout. They're really like, oh, let's pay attention to these guys the movie of it is the worst. And it's like, if anything, I was just thinking, man, wouldn't this have been so much better if it was done by um, the director and creator of Euphoria? Because he has such a great hold on like yeah, incorporating songs fair. and mm -hmm. music and also just and making really like in inventive and interesting uh, uh, scenes out of things. And this is so incredibly boring visually it blows me away that's such a great point to make because what is it it's sam levinson is for is yeah. from euphoria or steven guy, steve, or something steve, like there's steve levinson steven is this levinson. guy I, they have kind of similar names which is funny oh steve uh, is the writer yeah, yeah. steven yeah. levinson uh -huh. for this movie but isn't it like sam or something for euphoria anyways i just yeah that's such a great uh way of looking at it because i was convinced leading up to this podcast i'm like i'm not sure if there's any good version of a movie of this for me, like it's so fucking weird, this, this whole, mm. this whole plot line and story for me. And the only uh. way I was considering it might work a bit, bit better if it leaned more into the drama of it all. And you saying, uh, what's his face from euphoria makes me kind of come into view for me of what it could be aside from the stage play. I'm sure if I saw the stage play, that might be a different story and understanding the full context of what they're trying to, trying to do with the, the, um, the source material and the, and the story and everything. But the sure. way it's done in this movie is is like tone deaf as shit, and and not oh, yeah, and not leaning into more of the dramatic sides of it and the fucked up, almost sociopathic sides of it. Mm -hmm. it seems sociopathic in this movie because it's not explored enough. I feel like the the inner inner machinations of a depressed, social, social socially anxious teenager in high school, um, mm -hmm. and on top of people's reactions to his his actions, and and. The, their response to him as well as getting into Connor a bit more. But those are, those are like my, a few of my little bugaboos. But even then I was wondering like, would that a good movie make if those things 
did get changed. I'm not sure if there's any any good version of this for me for me personally, but I do get why people like it uh, and what why it speaks to them. And parts of it did speak to me, and there are golden nuggets with, within it as well. Um, I just think, yeah, it, I can totally see it. Perfect, its perfect form would be just as a stage play, and it's it's just hard to imagine the the perfect movie version for me. But I think that Euphoria comparison is spot on. I think yeah, that guy, spot on. Uh, especially how he incorporates music into Euphoria, um, and even did musical elements. You know, I just I like just finished season two, <laughs> so like I, I'm oh, like yeah. it's like fresh in it's, my mind. You gotta, yeah, oh, yeah. You gotta, but there's like yeah. a play. There's like a stage play at the end of season two, and and if it was done in any sort of way of form of that it would have showed the more fucked up nature of what's going on as well as the drama of it all uh and make you em- empathetic for these characters without having it be i don't know kind of preachy or, or kind of telling you how to how to feel even though those it, it's mm-hmm. grinding because you don't feel that way uh, but uh yeah because true the movie is trying it wants to say something and not a lot of movies are saying anything about this uh concept of like mental health mm-hmm. mentally ill youth and that's that's true. It wants to say something, but the messaging feels hollow. Like it doesn't know what it's trying to say, and mm. the story it tells is horrifying and convoluted. So yeah, you time. kind of you you get lost in the sauce, and you're kind of left with nothing. Yeah, I I, I would just say that there are things here, and I think you guys might have recognized the nuggets. I, James mentioned that he did, and it is yeah, it really just goes Alana. to show you that <laughs> for me. That like two very glaring things for me as to why this movie is not good is because the casting is is terrible and then the direction is terrible. And those are just two things that are so like it's a movie. So those are like the top of the list of what is the content? What is the presentation? What is the like? What is you know, what is the experience that is happening in this? And it's just both of those things are awful. Because I just I get that you want to include Ben Platt in this because he obviously was uh, the jettis like he's the reason. Not the re- like the whole reason, but he is a big part of why the musical was so popular because he is a good singer, mm-hmm. can perform well, um, or at least understood what the role is well that um, people could, yeah, like uh, connect with really uh, just fundamentally. And yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, it's just crazy that though these there's these choices that were made in this that were just so glaringly bad. <laughs> And yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, it just blows me Platt, away. Or the, the Evan Hansen performance is the show. Like the Evan mm. role yeah, is the sure. show. And Absolutely. his questionable actions require that he appear young and vulnerable. And that, you know, those actions are that of like a mentally disturbed teen. Uh, and Ben Platt's older appearance makes that really hard to swallow. For sure. But, and he's giving a huge performance in this movie. Uh, He's totally giving himself over to the character. And I think it's fair to say that so. is, is a very gifted performer. And you can feel how devoted uh, he is to this part mm-hmm. and to this, this character. Mm-hmm. That said, I feel like there's a lack of, <laughs> there's a lack of subtlety here mm-hmm. when you put it on yeah. film. Mm-hmm. And it feels very out of place. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's performed this show on stage for so long that he is unable to adapt it for the screen. He flails around, he bugs his eyes out, he thrusts his jaw forward. Uh, Playing to the back row, yeah. Exaggeratedly specific hand gestures 
when he's, you know, we sat around and shot the breeze, like, and you're just kind of like, that might work on stage, but it feels, uh, sinister on on (laughs) yeah exactly absolutely and yeah and i think that over the top animation and emoting uh might be perfect for the stage but it feels really misguided here yeah i was thinking talented mr ripley the entire time like that in movies that has been in movies and he didn't look like this he didn't uh read as this like you know like ghoulish character in in movies he's been in Mm -hmm. before because he's he's acting for a camera Mm -hmm. but i think feel like he doesn't know how to act for this camera in this role because he's done it on stage for what like four three years Mm -hmm. i get to an extent like to be able to sing those notes your your face is gonna you got to make some distorted faces i'm sure but yeah it was some of those were kind of rough or just like and just like in like it almost looked like 3d yeah like into the camera and like and like his eyes just you know and i we don't want to like bash on a person everyone piles has piled on this this guy since the movie came out and there's after looking doing minimal research on it all the articles are like he's too old why is a 27 year old playing a 17 year old and it's like all fair uh criticisms and i completely hanging for it though Oh, for I sure. Like and that's why I like, I, I have like 40 bullet points and like six of them just throughout the whole <laughs> notes is just, he's, he looks so old. <laughs> it's a given. I mean, and, and especially with someone who looks so youthful as, as uh Zoe's character character and the, and the actor yeah. and everything and seeing them together, it's just like, it is kind of strange. It almost seems like predatory or like you were saying, like sinister, the things that he's doing and he's trying to get into these people's lives and everything. It, it's, it, it doesn't read as like you were saying, like coming from a place of like, misguided youth and being somewhat innocent to the world and just wanting and all, all those things. Like, I feel like they would, they would speak to me if done in, in a certain way. And I'm not, I'm not sure what that way is, but I, mm. from on the outside looking in of, of this movie, <laughs> is that from greatest showman? Is that, or is no, that that's from this, from this movie? Okay. That's it's, I, that's how I started the it's ear, earwormed into my, yeah. my brain Brandini. Um, brain, I, have a, brain. I have a thing for that later for like, there are songs in this movie that have direct, correlations to other works these two have done benji and, yes. Justin, and it's like, uh, and i'm like uh-huh. you know you can sing one line from one of these songs and sing another line from the other and uh-huh. it, it totally works oh for sure i yeah because i back to back listened to uh waving through a window and million dreams um the greatest showman yes. and they're just they're so similar totally. and there's a lot Is there's a lot of starting like songs? you do uh the, the you other do, song will be found and uh this is me Oh yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I listen. Yeah, because I, I, I listen to this uh, uh, soundtrack or listen to the songs, and then yeah, listen to the Greatest Showman because I had a long car drive yesterday, and yeah, it's like it's they have such a clear voice, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they have such a clear and uh, specific Jesus. style style to yeah, dude, really very gospel, just, mm-hmm. very gospel. Um, but contemporary and that's why they're so popular because i think that fundamentally musicals always are seen like continue to be looked at as being relatively stuffy or out of date because musicals have a tendency to be have these incredibly long runs where they were created 30 years ago and they're still getting toured around america so they just have like you know when you think of the greatest musicals of all time you're like those were written 40 50 years ago Mm -hmm. and we're still singing them so for or an Andrew Lloyd Webber experience, perhaps. Yeah, mm. and the taste of musical theater aficionados is so granular and arcane. Uh-huh. Yes. And so ar- it feel it seems arbitrary from the outside, like the things they like and the things they don't like. And 
and the things that get mass appeal as well as is so this music feels yeah. like musical songs songs from musicals for people who do not like or musicals. know musicals mm. mm-hmm. and, the, and you said rent earlier too that's exactly what rents served as as a musical exactly. was, was being contemporary at the time and even to now like because there really isn't like ubiquitous musicals that everybody knows you know only only recent i mean that's still i still think hamilton is somewhat recent you know in the grand yeah, first, the grand sure. span of musicals and in, in the history of it all but as far as the ones that are ubiquitous it's like yeah that and then what matt and trey have have done from south park and everything too is is something that brings uh edgy comedy and into into musicals as well which i've just been dying to see book of mormon just would be such a such a fun experience and i haven't been to a stage play in uh, in a long time and I, I it's just cool to see it still be relevant and to be contemporary like you're saying brandon is something that's worthwhile to check out and that's cool aaron too that you, that you and your girlfriend take the time uh to check these things out and it's i don't know it's fun seeing singing musicals around the house and, and all that and once it once you start uh, jiving with with all the uh, everything they're saying because they enunciate everything so perfectly, you can really get into the story they're they're telling through the song. And um, I, there's there's such a magic to it. I was I was in musical theater as well. I was a terrible singer in high school, and it's just there's something that about it that it will never never escape my heart. And uh, it's been really fun jumping onto some of these musicals. But I think this type of music for me works so much better in Greatest Showman. And I, I think I was more on board with. Uh, the, mm. the magic of, mm. of that movie and I was more distracted by the bananas uh, story here um, but we you are there some uh, highlights of music are there do you guys want to start rolling through some of the grand uh, points of the plot I mean does anyone want to take a run at trying to explain the plot to the the podcast audience or I feel like mm. if, if they're on the if they're on the podcast they probably know about it but as we always say this they is probably, probably f- someone's first episode as well so welcome always always <laughs> yes hopefully it's but, always somebody's first yes yeah but you already I mean, you, you touched on the first song I mean that that gets the movie going and it's very yeah it's the it's if you were not complete one-to-one but it is like kind of like that for uh, greatest showman of of him starting his his life and his his journey uh, as the great Brandini um pt or sorry i'm sorry pt brandini um, pt brandini, PT yeah. brandini. Mm-hmm. and then uh you get you know the the first day of school which kind of is sets everything up um yeah and i, I don't know i'd say i, I kind of like the second half of the movie a little bit more than the first this was like very focused on all the the plans and moves of this of uh one said evan hansen i thought that was kind of rough to watch him do all these things to the family and, and mm. go through and choose this path of like, not, t- not telling them what happened and all that. Um, but, uh, yeah. the, uh like the experience with Connor, I guess that's where, where we're at. I'm the jumping all over around. Is, sorry. The second half is more watchable because mm-hmm. in the first half he's like, he's because he gets confident in the second half and it like, it amends a lot of the problems that are going on with, uh, with Ben Platt's like performance on screen. Mm. Yeah, where, like, sure. he, mm. his, he's hunching his neck, like to, in an attempt to make his body look smaller and shoving his head forward for the entire mm-hmm. first half of the movie. And that gives his movements a very sinister look. He's, I, I wrote down a lumbering jerky ghoul, sweaty, creased and pallid, lurching malevolently, malevolently around this poor family's dining room. Wow. <laughs> that was amazing. Can you do the novelization of Dear Evan Hansen, please, and make it like a, I, I a scary book, it, like a Stephen King book or something? It reads to me like he earnestly wants to eat Zoe. 
But when his desire to consume her is mistaken for desire to date her, he just kind of goes with it. Uh, on the opposite, he opens like up an opportunity he's later this Nosferatu. for him to fangoriously devour the tender meat from her face and suck the marrow from her bones. Yes, feed it, yes. That, cause that's his problem, right? That's why he's so ghoulish, is because he hasn't fed on a on a fresh oh. body. Yeah. <laughs> body, yeah. <laughs> In a while. <laughs> I find that's, okay. that's amazing. Okay. Too. I want I wanna start I wanna start playing devil's advocate because like I said, you know, I I I by and large enjoyed this the first time watching. Up to bat, Brandini for Dev Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> uh, 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 so okay in the in the first part of this we're setting up the anxiety and the problems that evan hansen has with um just socializing like you know and also too that his goal and his dream for like firmly establishing this is he wants his life to be something else that it isn't and it's really about pushing himself to do this but then um, almost immediately failing in that and then just uh, going right back into where he's always been and it isn't really it's by almost happenstance because of the stuff that happens with Connor that he is then instead of allowed to recede back into where he's always been, he is forced into um, into like rising to a particular occasion. And what I will say as well, that whether or not and I think by and large, the movie is daft about uh, accomplishing this conveyance is when the parents come, when Amy Adams and the other guy, if you remember his name. Um, I like that actor. Ha- yeah, I do too. Uh, have the meeting with him. It is apparent and and focus is paid to Amy Adams is wanting Evan to be the friend. Mm-hmm. Wanting him, building this this perception in her mind that he is a friend because that is a more easy thing for her to come to terms with to help her in coping with the loss of her son but it's and also Evan is, it so much more difficult to ah yeah but i know i know what you right. i know what you mean the the intentions but it's it's so distorted the how, how you go about doing that yeah i think the movie would be a lot better if they just leaned into that and they kept his motives a little cleaner uh it still makes for a really an a you know, a, ver- a veritably convoluted and like difficult and fraught plot. Fraught plot. I, I, and I think the, the Evan plot. Zoe romance, <laughs> fraught plot, the Evan Zoe romance adds an extremely selfish angle yes. to his action. Yes. And makes him, it makes him impossible, if not, if not extremely difficult to empathize with it. it mm. uh, so he has three motives placate the grieving parents of a deceased boy he barely <laughs> knew. Uh, two, feel a sense of belonging in this nice, complete family as well as the popularity he's gaining from being attached to this story, which is kind of, those kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the positives he gets out of giving that first thing of meeting that first need of the, the family and three, fuck the despondent and traumatized sister of the dead kid who was Get terrorized laid. and possibly physically abused by her out of control brother now departed. One of these things is not like the other. If they, okay. if they had taken out the Zoe romance plot, I feel like it's a way better movie. Okay, but I what I will say to that though is, is that he is not actively pursuing her in the first half of the movie. It isn't until he gains his confidence the letter, that he, he starts, puts her he starts name, pursuing her name in the letter. 
I for sure, but that isn't that is so like outside of like him actively pursuing her. He is like more or less saying into his journal that he likes this girl, but he isn't yeah. like trying to n- manipulate her or persuade her. He is manipulating the family. I get that by uh, going along with them. But again, like so much is placed on him in my mind relatively clearly. Whether it's just the problem is that it isn't. It needs to be expounded upon for it not to come off as what has already been said mainly by Aaron of that. He then it's like he comes off as this like manipulative sociopath because we're not getting more interior or we don't. The movie isn't well doing well to like say that it's it's he is trying to just be the person for other people. I don't know. And it's, and it's less about his selfish desire. See, I kind of disagree. Cause I think he's going so hard for Zoe because hmm. like he, at, by the end of the movie, he's like missing meetings for the thing that actually matters. That actually is contributing to Connor because he's so consumed with pursuing her. I know that he's, he's consumed with the idea of being part of a family. And that's really important to him as well. Being part of whether it be a click or being, some semblance of popular at, at high school, but he has a whole song to Zoe. That's like using his knowledge of all the creepy things that it's not necessary. He, he has a crush on a girl, so he's going to notice all the things that she, she does or whatever in high school. Cause you be, mm. you're super obsessive. If you have social anxiety, you don't talk to anybody. You see things from afar. You come up with all these things in your head, but he lists sure. all these things. Oh, I, I really liked when your hair was indigo that time. And he's speaking as if he was Connor to her in this whole song. And he lists all these things that he's noticed about her and and stuff like that coupled with, yeah, just being so focused on her. And then he was talking about trying to approach her to his just mean, mean friend, family, family friend. That gets the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about him next, but he's just, there's so much time and energy given to Zoe and the meet cute happens almost instantaneously after meeting Connor. She like sticks up for uh, Evan and, and is like, Hey, I'm Zoe. It's like all that seems kind of forced too. And like, I'm Connor's sister. Beep, boop, bop. This is our meet cute. I don't know. Yeah. It was just, it was so forced and on, on the first day of school and all that. And then I, I don't know. I just think there was a lot of time and attention given to that romantic plot. I, I know Aaron, you say it'd be better without it. I know, I know, Brandon. You, it's understand, it's understandable as a per, yeah. as a kid in, at that age. But I do think he is extremely manipulative. For you to say like he's not, I mean, I think he's extremely manipulative the, in the my mind. Makes an attempt, yeah, they, the musical makes an attempt to reconcile that with the song "Only Us." Terrible song, um, and the sound design is meant to feel. I, I, I agree. Like, yeah. It's meant to be as like diegetic and in universe as possible, where they're like singing to each other in the same room, and that's Zoe declaring like her intentions for Evan. And up to that point, he hasn't actually like pursued her actively. He's just been like enjoying being around her. Exactly. And that's yeah, that's a fair point. I, I, I get what you that mean. Makes it weird, which is the content of the Dear Evan Hansen letter and the entirety of the song "If I Could Tell Her," which is I think the song you were talking about. James. I think so. Yeah. Uh, both of those strongly imply that Connor might have had incestuous feelings for his sister. Yeah, right. That's how he, he presents it. It's not tr- that's not true, but he's he's saying he's using Connor as a as a dead mouthpiece for his own sort of like uh flirtatious sort of no like th- ways of noticing her from afar and she's into it. She's like, "Wow." I, and in her so in his and, mind he's like, "I'm I'm saying all these nice things about her." In her mind, she's like 
he is manipulating her to believe that her brother loved her. And it, ah, it's just such a weird. After his, it's he, so he's weird. crying on this group and she says, thank you for giving my brother back to me. And she goes and, and hugs him. And for a second, when it's like on Ben Platt's face and he goes to hug her back, I'm like, ah, he's going to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> I love this tonight. I was literally I was I was like, ah, for a second, and then it turned out to be fine. Oh, oh no, it's just a hug, it's fine. It's cool. <laughs> for we just see it. <laughs> Get out of here, Nosferatu. Um He just turns into a werewolf. <laughs> he just is a whole werewolf transition scene. See, to me, so so much of that, like this criticism in my mind, like is because of the fact that Ben Platt is so old that it's so like Maybe. it's it is hard to make it is hard to like think about the situation from the from an actual 17 year old when the person is clearly 29 years mm -hmm. old and so you're just like this is incredibly manipulative because you're like that person looks this way so they should know better and there's so much i think that is then placed upon like that's why this movie ends up being really bizarre and weird and draculean because you're just like <laughs> uh, like this uh, this man is too old He's to be surrounded by actors five to ten years his junior yeah, yeah you can't disguise you can't disguise that he looks like steve buscemi in the how do you do fellow kids <laughs> i did get weird vibes of him sitting with oh what's my like my favorite character on the on like the swing set and everything and him him yeah. walking with her and everything but he did he was so slouched like in the dinner with zoe and the family the first dinner he is the same height as zoe because he's just leaning down like so far. He's <laughs> like, I looked at the height and he's, and Zoe's a tiny, tiny person. And he just lowers yeah. himself so far that he, he's the same size as her. So it's like, you got to give him credit for like, I'm, I'm the one that fully realized this character. I did it on Broadway. Universal brought like was intent on keeping me the one remaining member of the whole <laughs> cast. They wanted me in it. I, you know, I, I did, did what I could. And he, he did the best he could. If anything, like, yeah. You were saying, Aaron, he played to the back rows to, I mean, to a fault because it, it was almost like too much for, for, yeah, for screen, you know, without, he did say without me, the, the movie probably doesn't get made, Yeah, which is like, that's not him being selfless saying like, I know, but like it, it, to give everyone else the story and to bring the story to film mm -hmm. and maybe get more ticket sales for the other actors who are playing that role on stage. I, you know, I, I do need to continue to stay in this role and, and make the movie. It's I, I don't think it's totally selfless, though, because Mark Platt is the producer. I, saw I think that, he just yeah. like bought a movie for his son. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much like you can't escape the nepotism angle. Like, yeah, he did. Nah. Kind of, he, he must feel like he owns this role. But if you like look at musicals, that's not really how it works in general. Like some actors become famous for a role. Mm -hmm. Like Colm Wilkinson is Jean Valjean. Speaking of which, the Evan role is very like calls for a lot of falsetto and yeah. uh, Ben Platt favors a lot of vibrato, which makes the whole thing sound very Colm Wilkinson. Mm. Bring him home <laughs> as Jean Valjean. And it's not exactly a youthful uh, feeling. Right. Oh, it's it's a beautiful uh, singing, beautiful voice, really. Could you, could you send a link to the, the podcast stream? Oh, of yeah. course oh, thank yeah. you yeah um he's he has a beautiful voice and oh it's actually in the in the discord chat if you just scroll up a little bit um that's it's right there but uh oh here we go ah, thank you. um just a, just a beautiful voice and yeah. i like the song writing overall 
it just I, it's the context i don't know in this high, high school thing it's maybe just not my bag baby i like it in greatest Show, showman a lot um but i like how it it has those big rises and then it'll just drop and be yeah and then it'll just like start on the outside always looking and after like it's it like a little piano ready. and some like whispers uh, and that's kind of rent renty maybe a little too especially yeah. watching uh dang it i just forget the is it john jonathan uh larson his his other movie not rent but like the oh, one about tick, his tick, life. Boom. tick tick boom and remind me a lot of like so good oh, so, so fuck so fucking good um Another yeah, great example of like very uh, diegetic editing, very like fun, big, mm -hmm, moving, totally. interest, interesting, like, you know, kind of like tear sets down, builds them up, has a lot more going on. Very like euphoria in a mm -hmm. lot of episodes. That stuff is God. But with, with this movie, Sorry. it's very plot heavy. You are doing a musical where a lot of plot elements have to be done deftly, not daftly. Like you said earlier, Brandon, it's got to be it's got to <laughs> it's got to be deft. And yeah. it's, and it's gotta be clean. These transitions of like really like swaths of emotional turn, just like, uh, just like a current and everything just like all like has to just change energy from one act to the next. Maybe if you have an intermission, that might help too. But this is why the second half for me was way more interesting because it was a lot more dialogue heavy scenes uh, and that's probably not a good thing to want in a musical because I thought that it was so plot heavy. I like, I want to dig more into that. Um, and then some of the, some of the songs I like, and it's such a hard, there's a hard thing for me to digest this, this movie. Like I, I think, oh, for sure. I think it's just such a, such a bonkers plot to also make a musical overall. And that the second half kind of gets into them things I'm more curious about this is what I'm trying Can to I say. Can I posit something that makes the second half interesting is, is that you deal a lot more with the fallout of a uh, son committing suicide. And there's a lot more time spent with the family mm. in, in a, in a more substantial way aside mm -hmm. from, cause uh, leading up to the second half, it's more so of just about a lot of it is um, like n not really being yeah not really facing the problem you're what the everybody is trying to fill this void that is left by connor's passing with the connor project i also well i won't get ahead of this but the stupid kickstarter the kickstarter like so reopening the, the orchard which i'm still kind of confused on the metric the, like the, the actual process of how an orchard closes and what right, they're exactly. gonna do for it yeah and need, they, what do they need like a hundred hundred thousand dollars i think <laughs> They, they're gonna pick those trees their money like those picnic benches maybe a like road clearance you road maintenance, just maintenance i guess I, I, there you go. Yeah. trails kind of maintaining the trails and whatnot I, I i don't know but also i know oh, you cut you off brandon sorry you can continue no it's bad. okay oh, yeah. i was just gonna oh, say oh no 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 oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good all good stuff to bring up because yeah you're like exactly like you're giving the money to the trees like did you know what are we doing here well that was <laughs> but I, and that was the hardest point for me to watch was at that dinner where he just had every opportunity to bow out of this lie and he doubled down by introducing a story like he didn't say i was his friend and like oh tell me something about him and he just fabricated this whole story and then like combined it and convoluted it with his own tree story and i like i Which can make sense i can and i can That's see how it would based on truth work mm -hmm. better yeah, on on the on the stage as well of just like you you're here you really have to 
hang on every word he's singing about. And in this way, it's, it's more visual. And somehow it does seem uh, like predatory of, of this family rather than like, Oh, he's telling a story. I have to kind of pay attention to what, what's going on. Um, it, it seems like it's uh, like just, he's, he's devising this whole manipulative, like persuasive plan to get them on his side. And then he starts singing about it and everything too. And that was just, it just comes off as disingenuous and weird to me and, and it's doing more harm than good. And when the second half comes around and you see some of the fallout of his actions, that's where I'm more interested. I keep repeating that point, but I think the, the fallout of his crazy ass decisions, like in that point of coming up with a story about the orchard and everything and feeding into what he thinks they want to hear. Um, I like to see that comeuppance and I would have even liked to see a little bit more. Cause I think there yeah. is a, there is a song I read and Brandon, maybe you're familiar with it where I think uh, from Requiem. They, mm-hmm. No, there's a missing song uh, from that's in the oh. musical where I think it's people kind of lambasting him for what he's done and, oh, yeah, and, for and sure. like the consequences mm-hmm. of, of his actions. And I believe there's also another one that gets more into the character of Connor and who he mm-hmm. was, which that could, that could have been nice, you know, to learn, learn a bit, bit more about him. Um, but I, uh, how about, did you guys like the song where, uh, they're writing the emails? What'd you think about that one? That one, like, it did. Garrett is the worst character. He's the worst. So hard. Yeah. He's the worst. Yeah. Let's talk about him. Yeah. Cause I mean, well, just real quick for the song is like, I, I enjoy him him coming up with a friend for himself i think there's something really interesting about that but it just it like sucks the air out of it where the only person he really has a lot of like normal quote-unquote conversations with like an equal of his Mm -hmm. um sucks it's like really mean uh dismissive couldn't give a fuck less about him Mm -hmm. and it's just it's not a I don't know. It's just such a terrible way. This whole like, shtick I, is making sex and gay jokes at Evan's expense, uh-huh. but which in the show is also true. And the show was not written in 1990. This like the show was written in like 2015, and it wouldn't have flown. It didn't fly then. But there's the that whole number where they're writing the emails. He, he just there's that whole thread mm-hmm. where like the joke is that they're gay. Like yeah, that's not a joke. Like that's a bad thing well, or something. <laughs> that's not a setup and payoff. That's just. Uh huh. you're gay that's how's that a joke because so for me like and and maybe the musical just by and large does this poorly because i and i think maybe it, it kind of does is that it would make more sense if his family friend is is running him through and making fun of him because the fact that he's lying and that's what he's digging at him about is like, he's not taking this seriously because it's kind of a fucked up thing that he's doing. And really that's the motivation, but it, it, it never, it, it it's, doesn't come off like that at all because immediately his, his introduction, he could not care less about Evan. It would be it, what needed to happen in a rewrite that I would give is like, they're distant. They're not close friends, but that's more so because Evan has the is incapable of having close friends mm-hmm. because he gets inside of his own head. He has all of these. Uh, uh, he's very anxious. All of these things, and so there's a distance that's almost created by Evan, and 
that's being somewhat reciprocated by somewhat of a like a distant or not really prying too much like if the situation was evan tells him about his uh his summer where he fell from the tree and there would be like oh okay and like kind of short with him and just is listening more so than really like wanting to know more i would understand that but he immediately was like that's stupid you shouldn't tell anybody i know fuck yeah. you this yeah. is this is what i did and it's they, awesome they he's, he's like normal. what did you do he's like i climbed a tree and he's like what and he immediately goes on his phone <laughs> they should have made jared normal awful because they made they, i because i could get if like the way evan talks to jared and the way he talks to zoe in the first part of the of the musical the first 30 minutes like it's totally understandable that a normal person would be uh, like I, I encounter sometimes people like this uh in you know in my job someone will come new to the to the workplace and will start talking to you and you're like wow you have a lot of like issues or like you're not really all there are you and you're like i'm i'm a compassionate well-adjusted normal person and like i'm happy to like do anything i can to make you feel more welcome and at at ease but you know what i'm not a professional therapist who has time blocked out of his day to like unpack this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i wish you the best and like ah wow that's really tough buddy i'm sorry to hear that but um yeah, anyway i got i gotta go uh, see yeah you something more like, like di- why can't jared be like that yeah distant it's rather different. than like malevolent and he exactly <laughs> everyone in this yeah a lot of anything like terrible here it would be like one of one of two options rather than what they did is maybe he doesn't know and maybe he's he's someone else that like hated him at first and then once he finds out about this he's that vain and vapid to be like hey evan you want to be friends i heard you're popular now and then that could show his true character about how much of a fucked person fucked person he is or he's like distant and also compassionate like you're saying where he does know but he's not going to do anything, but he's going to be somewhat the voice of reason to Evan and be like, Hey, this is, I see what you're doing here. And this is super fucked up and you, you should probably tell them the truth, but I'm not going to do it. This is your, I got too much of my own shit going on, but I know. And like he would, and maybe like there'd be some threat of him like revealing it later on in the movie or something like that. And I don't know. This is again, this is one of those movies. Like the more I try to rewrite it, the more I'm like, would that even really work? fix it or work for me? I'm not sure. Did you know that okay. happens in the musical? I did not. He, he doesn't know. He helps him write. He helps him write the letters. Okay. And he does. He does know. He's still okay. a, a shitty, dismissive guy. In the musical, he's not. They made him gay in the movie to like make his homophobia more toothless. But in the mm. in the musical, he's just uh, like a homophobic, uh, like bad guy. Okay. And he helps Evan write the letters. And then later on, he starts to write. And when he sees all the popularity and the Connor Project starts after Evan's speech, he starts writing himself into the letters. Wow. To like get his own piece of the action. And Evan wow. goes to like shut it down. And he goes like, Well, don't tell me what to do. Like, I'm I'm the one you put in charge of writing the letters. I'll release yeah. this to the public. I'll I tell like everyone. And Evan's like, you can't do that. You helped me. Mutually yeah. assured destruction, bro. Mm-hmm. And then it, they just leave it for the rest of then he goes away for the rest of the musical. And like that's kind of what happens in the movie, is what after they write the letters and stuff, he just goes away for the rest of the musical and he's just like in some reaction shots. Mm-hmm. And it's like a gag that he's the communications director of the Connor project. It's yeah. like, haha, but and then he's just there for some reaction shots. He has nothing to do for the remainder I want, of the show. That kind of that when like a character is completely devoted to comic relief, yeah, that kind of is annoying. Where he's just like he's just there to say like a couple one deadpan one liners and be uh just straight face and not as exuberant or, or whatever as like the musical when everybody's singing everyone's dancing he's just like well everything sucks and it's like i guess i guess that can be funny for like a couple jokes but he does it like the whole movie very josh supposed to be hashtag relatable did you guys both say josh gad at the same time 
No, I said hashtag relatable. Oh, you said hashtag. He, you said Josh, Josh, Josh like, Gad. <laughs> hashtag Josh Gad. Hashtag Josh Gad. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? Plot? Frot plot? Frot plot. Hashtag frot plot. <laughs> hashtag frot plot. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like almost <sighs> like a, a dish you'd get at a, on a menu or some frot. Can I get the frot plot? Frot, frot pot. Maybe like a soup? No, but then it'd be bad because it's frot. Hot pot. Yeah. Frot plot, hot pot. Hot pot. Ooh, hot pot sounds good. Hot mm, pot's yummy. a thing. That's, I'm hungry. That's the, that's... Yum, yum. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, sorry. I'm, der- is... I'm derailing us. <laughs> no. uh, uh, this is just, yeah, it makes me think kind of, we read a review uh, by David Sims before we started this. Um, and he makes the point of like, is the musical even good? Because this has so many, um, the, because it has these really clear issues of casting and whatnot like then you start to really it comes into question whether the musical's good and and yeah i don't know now as we're getting more into it i'm starting to relate or at least thinks that that maybe is the case where um the musical isn't good and maybe the it really is just the fact that the song there are some really good contemporary songs that are relatively innovative for what they're doing but the musical by and large isn't very good but it's just fascinating because again like this is a tony award-winning musical so is it just this like network effect where like people are like we're gonna just champion this and all of us just get on board and go like yeah this move this musical is great but then it's it's like i've mentioned to james a couple times uh, of like how i feel about jurassic you know uh Jurassic World and Avatar where you're like everybody go like says that this movie's great but then I'm I go and see it and I'm like this movie fucking sucks like <laughs> is it, 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 it am I the and Top Gun's another one too where I'm like am I the problem like am I just is there something weird wrong with me that I'm just not getting this but I'm starting to come around to that kind of train of thought because yeah like uh, i mean a lot of it too is this jared of it all where you're like that is such a terrible way to go about that character because i think that mm. it, it is it's it is easy to identify how you fix that to make it more compelling and interesting and it just isn't done and they continue to propagate that character as being like you know um this is a you know we're, we need to have him in this we need to, you know he has a stuff going on and whatever and it just yeah makes you really come into question because like i this is really like overreaching i think or like giving the the play or the movie too much credit just the story in general too much credit but the, there is a point made that like when Connor dies, the jocks are, which I thought was so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. It's depressing, but it's but it's funny. That's the type like, of cynical shit, though. And continue. Yeah, yeah that's what the you, jocks you are like. Yeah, in front of, in front of Connor's it's, locker. It's yeah, sad, sad face taking a picture in front you, of. Connor's I don't know. You need like even more kind of fucked up because it's fucked up. This is a fucked up plot, and they're trying to make it seem like. Right. Yeah, everything's gonna be okay, and we're doing. He doesn't this know what it wants to say. Is the internet right. bad? <laughs> is Evan a villain? Are depressed teens like? Do they? Do we need awareness? Do they need medication? What is? Do they need an orchard? This movie is everything. This movie is everything. The internet is good and bad because you have a whole song where you have little boxes of people <laughs> flying in a black void. Oh man! I had an existential crisis the second time watching that. I have a whole note about the editing, and that was like the punchline of my editing note is that like I had like 
I was like, no, no, no. When that started happening on screen, I was like, I wish I was there I for would, you. Just like, like no, 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 no. It's, it's like, like in the cave. It, found it, it, footage and posts of people being like, oh, the Connor, reaction, we're, we're, yeah. we got, we're behind you, Connor. We miss you and all of that stuff. <laughs> well, like, it, oh. it was a Gal Godot's Imagine all over again. So Anne McCabe is Cringe. the film's editor, and she's also worked on A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Adventureland, which, you know, are unremarkable in that they're just adequately edited. No, you know, yeah. no, no. Uh, and the editing in this film is so jarring and distracting that I feel that she's either wildly overconfident or totally self-defeating throughout the whole process of, of working on this. The smash cuts and tacky visuals are endemic. And the jump cuts oh, right in the beginning of the movie on Waving Through the Window. Mm-hmm. like that those are they immediately caught my eye and i was like what is so i was like i'm gonna watch the editing the rest of this movie and i kept noticing stuff and that was like the that was the death knell was the uh the black screen and then like the the white yeah. tiles of all the things related to the speech and it forms a template it forms connor's face in a collage oh. and i was like oh, <laughs> no 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 no, no. I was, I was literally stop, having stop, a meltdown <laughs> <laughs> that's something that that would not be happening in the stage play so it's interesting when you, i didn't really like, notice it it actually the, kind the of does really the second oh, watch, oh. Yeah. Like, yeah it kind of does because the way that the stage play there's is just a big is, screen of of his email which is like typing shit and stuff and so they use that it, probably a lot multimedia mm-hmm. okay yeah exactly yeah um there yeah for sure there is that um the state you know I, what too i could see i mean the, even to your to your point brandon i just want to say real quick like yeah i i think I forget like exactly how, how, how you worded it, but just why were you, you were relating this to Jurassic world. And I was just thinking like, at, I can see why it was innovative for like the Tonys and for stage plays of like the plot and maybe the contemporary, the, plot, the yeah. contemporary music of like, absolutely. And when they had to nominate or vote on awards and everything, like this is completely different than anything else that's going on right now. And we, I feel like we should champion it a bit. It's kind exactly. of it's kind of my right. interpretation, but mm-hmm. con- continue uh, what you're going to say. Yeah, and yeah. See, and see, I, you know, I, like on stage is probably so much more exciting. Sure. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah. Um, no, the thing that I wanted to say too is like again, like I just want to, you know, there are things in this movie that relate and are attempting to validate certain, like, validate an opinion or yeah, propagate a perspective where. Also, to Alana, the girl that sets up the love her. Connor Pro- Connor project. I love her. Um, she doesn't know Connor, but she goes through so many pains to set up a memorial, mm-hmm. set up the GoFundMe, all of this. I stuff. feel like I've and known she, girls like that in high school. <laughs> no, totally. And yeah. it's just it's another People, person, yeah. another person in high school that it seems so. Um, vampiric to bring it back to what Aaron's saying is, is that it's like, here's another person who is trying to gain cachet to, uh, all, maybe even like rectify their own kind of miss like shortcomings that they feel about themselves by doing these things. But it just seems like, just like how you can, you know, we've already clearly and, a very prevailing uh, criticism of this movie about Ben Platt being so vampiric and so, you know, um, uh, parasitic in the family and all of these other relationships. It's like so many people in this 
play in this movie are like that. So there is a cohesion there that I think has something that is somewhat resonant. But this movie, the movie in particular, does a terrible job at that because it just disparately presents those things. But does it like make a good point of it? Not really. Mm -hmm. It just it just puts it out there like right isn't it you know Mm -hmm. uh, kids in high school are so shallow and are are willing to get uh popularity by any means necessary even though it's disingenuous or you know they really have no right you know being a part of something that would get them recognition like all of that Mm -hmm. stuff and it's just it that kind of stuff is like where i'm doing the legwork to like this movie because that stuff is really interesting because obviously as a person who's gone through high school like there is definitely that that is something that is characteristic of high school is that people are trying to either stand out or to try to um, fit in and they will go to lengths to do it. And whether or not they have the right to or maintain or reputation, whatever it may maintain be, maintain reputation, whatever, like it, it, a lot of that can at it, with one it, with a certain perspective especially one with time as a bunch of 30 year old men <laughs> reminiscing about this stuff or like pointing these things out about how high schoolers act like they're when you're in it though there it, it's yeah. just like it's so easy to be influenced it's so easy to go along with um whatever is being considered as important and popular just because and it's not even necessarily malicious. And that's why, like, again, I would play devil's advocate on some of this because like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it doesn't necessarily make like, if again, the problem is, is Ben Platt is too old. If a person who looks 17 was doing this, then you would go, this is just somebody who is like kowtowing or just trying to fit in because he, his home life, because that's another thing too, that it gets more clear at the end of it, which is honestly too late, is that Julianne Moore has, like, her song is wonderful. Like, yeah. I fucking mm-hmm. love that song a lot. Heartbreaking. Because, heartbreaking. Like, it really had me in tears of just, like, I, I know I'm going to make mistakes. Like, I know that I'm not going to be there. And I need to, and I'm, like, and that's something that I have to, like, deal with almost every single day. And that has obviously impacted Evan where like, you know, again, I'm making an argument that the movie poorly makes, but I'll try to make better is that when he's sitting at the dinner table, like he's talked about, like, he's so excited about his mom wanting to do taco Tuesday. He like his mom says that she's going to be home on a daily basis to make dinner, but she's never there. And like, so him just being at a dinner with a family is so monumentally important that it in my mind makes sense that he's willing to kind of do whatever it it takes to stay there mm-hmm. because he really really is starving for it but yeah it would read so well if you got <laughs> an actor who not only looked, looked appropriate, right. but also maybe even looked like compared to an actress uh like uh what is her name caitlin devon yeah caitlin devons yeah. If, if the guy, if if the person her opposite, if the the Evan character also like looked so young, shrimpy, and like unremarkable that like even like even someone like Caitlin Devins like wouldn't give him the time of day. They wouldn't see him as an equal. He'd be invisible to a girl as as like you know pretty and put together as her. Like then it makes it reads so much better. And instead, 
he looks like a 40 year old man in a Halloween costume of Will Byers from Stranger <laughs> Things. And it does not read that way. It reads so malevolent. Yeah. And but if I, you had this like shrimpy, sad kid who just could not get lines out, just looked so, and the whole time we're just like cringing, but like in a good way, like that's what the movie is trying to do. And like, mm -hmm. that's what the performance is trying to elicit instead of cringing in a More bad vul way. Vulnerability of, of some kind of, you like can, you're rooting for it. If we were just pulling for yeah. that kid, like, come on, just spit it out. You can do it. And, and that's what it's like when you are around someone who has anxiety. Like I've had friends or coworkers or I've even dated someone who had actual social anxiety. And like, you're, you're just like, come on, you, you can do it. I don't want to step on your words. Cause you need to get this mm -hmm. out. And like, but it's, it's that, you're cringing. You're like, Come on. yeah he that can't even get food delivery because he's like he has to meet someone at the door and he's freaking out of just talking to someone at the door and that that i thought was one of the more honest poor i was that like characterization works i really relate well. with it's that just, even <laughs> it's like yeah that characterization works really well it just it, it really needed to be a different actor and also i mean you you right. mentioned alana and i mentioned she was one of my favorite characters and i and i was kind of resonating with while you were kind of ex, ex, while you were saying your point brandon i think one of the reasons why it works for her is she is so nuanced, but you get to see actually like a more interesting progression of her character where you are gradually like led into who she is. Like when they have, and I thought her song, her song and Julianne Moore's were one of my favorite uh, yeah, sure. part, parts of the movie where it kind of is more toned down and, and, and soft. Mm. Um, and she kind of expresses her true nature. And then you get to see her kind of progression into the point where she uses social media and the internet to uh, suffice her own in her mind and ability to get this money, to get this uh, pull and, and attention that she's so used to, or she so desires. Um, and I thought that was more interesting to have that progression and to have that rise rather than, yeah, like you, you, you get introduced to Evan Hansen and he's almost immediately kind of making these poor, poor decisions in in my mind. And it's hard to be on his side, at least, how he's portrayed, how he's cast, how the movie uses him. And even, I mean, something like the cinematography is so colorless. This movie is like, like there's like, I know, dude, it's so mild. It's like so dull. Nuts. Everything about this, like the way this movie shot is so fucking dull. Um, and it looks like they're in like a hospital or some, or some shit. Some like how, how oh, yeah, like sure. how, like I know it's COVID. So everything's probably super fucking sanitary and clean and everything, yeah, <laughs> but it just, it, it looks like a, like a hospital, this, this high school. Um, but I, yeah, it's, like a lot yeah. and then Julianne Moore as a mom, like when she has that breakdown in front of the the family, when she meets them and her and Amy Adams get the opportunity to act opposite each other, that's when, you know, the, and again, this, the second half, when a lot of those fireworks kind of fly and he has yeah. to face with, uh, come to terms with his decisions. One of the be best scenes was, was when Julianne Moore kind of dresses, dresses the room down. I, I that was, and she, I mean, she's a fucking Julianne Moore. So yeah. I, yeah, I wondered she's if that was so the first take good. because she seems like she's like on the brink of tears from be from so, beginning yeah. to end of that. Scene. Oh, I and bet. I'm like, and I'm I like, this, this probably wasn't the first take because she, like she's already like on With the her, edge. Though? Of the second With the her part. though, <laughs> like I can imagine her being such a fucking professional and so good at her job that she could literally do that. Like that's true. I, I mean, that's I could I could yeah. imagine Julianne Moore. All you need is maybe two takes, and that's more so of just a change in coverage. Like she's able to just give you exactly what is needed for a scene. Yeah, from jump. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't make sense as to why. I thought it must be a second, a subsequent take because she's like already ready to cry the second she's in the room with them. And I was like, yeah, she didn't get get, get time to like become 
raw and chafed by this this interaction she like walks in like about to cry and i'm like this right. i'm not sure i believe that okay it's- that sounds like such a minor crime come on but i i get what you mean of, of like it's yeah it's also just interesting whenever i'm she's a gripester there. you're a gripester <laughs> i get it <laughs> that's i mean we gotta introduce aaron that way next time he, he comes back well i i feel very uh satisfied with uh, a lot of how we how we talked about this movie i mean how the movie ends i think is a is a l- almost like a little air like lets the air out of the bag a, a little bit i you know he he uh, does an Instagram post. He explains himself and 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 confesses yeah. to to everything. I appreciated that. And then you kind of get uh, things kind of. Could you imagine as... if he did it? Be oh, so I was ready, if he did man. <laughs> I was almost I was almost ready. It, it took so be... long to get there. I almost wish he did it in the second half. And this whole second half was just about the fallout because that I was like, when shit hits the fan, I'm gonna. That's where I'm gonna be more on board. I was kind of right. more bored than on board leading up to it, but. Um, when he when he does he does that post and then it, it kind of is like almost epilogue after that and he because he he finds out this connor's song that he played in therapy um and then he passes that along to everyone he he does all his research he reads a bunch of books that connor read which seemed like barnes and yeah. noble's bestsellers <laughs> uh, right i don't know he's, well, he's got cat's cradle that was kind of cool cool yeah, it seems yeah. like some got ready player one yeah. is in there too and you're like oh come on it's, <laughs> no it's, it. it's, it's fine it's it okay. in the stack of books no i know but like that's fine, no, it's fine. <laughs> and Von, well honestly vonnegut seemed like something like an edgy teen would totally be reading or so that's what yeah, i mean for sure I, my own edgy sort of side in high school would be into yeah. that but there were some other ones that oh, just seemed so vanilla <laughs> whatever oh, but, uh, i would love a list of those books i want to see that list kind of too but yeah continue um, and i'll find it i uh yeah i just i i heard or i read this one article where it was saying some people took issue with that even that like no one would be recording in a therapy session right and i know that like that maybe this is like a, a minuscule point or something but like not only would no one be recording if they were recording you probably don't want that recording spread out if it's of like a private therapy session, but you know, this was something that wasn't in the, in the musical on the stage play. And this was a song that they added and it was a, it was a nice song. I liked it. And especially yeah, how it, it did make that cut. And speaking of jump cuts, like the cut to like, Oh, this is Connor's song. And now he's singing it. And this is in, yeah, like you're right. saying like more a diegetic sort of thing. And it becomes diegetic later on. We like, and when Amy Adams is watching it with, uh, with her daughter Zoe and everything, but um, that's kind of where we're left. And then it's, I did appreciate that not everything worked out for him and he's kind of like a social pariah now. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, this is like another place where the messaging feels hollow. Cause yeah. Evan uh, talking about like formalized therapy and like how they, they wouldn't film that and all that. It relates to Evan too, because Evan has clinical anxiety and clinical depression. He needs therapy, medication, possibly inpatient care, but by the end of the movie, he's seemingly resolved his mental health issues by like researching Connor and finding his song and just like self care. Mm-hmm. But so the cure for anxiety is just don't worry about it, bro. Mm. I'm like, that's that doesn't that rings really like problematically to me is like, that's not the message you want to land on. It almost looked like he went more inward. He's like, well, I'm just going to make a bigger shell for myself. Yeah. It's not really great mental health awareness messaging. Mm. 
I'm not sure. You yeah. see, this is again, this is such a weird fucking plot. I don't know how to leave this character. Like, do right. I want talented Mr. Ripley where he just fucking like murders someone in a boat with a with an oar and assumes their identity? Maybe. Maybe I do. I like Maybe I, I want like the talented Mr. Ripley he, musical. He goes back to the same tree. He climbs up even higher this time. Yeah. And he falls off and he is successful <laughs> in this attempt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I Dude, I, okay. Well, well, now that you mention, and this is morose, but I almost thought like if this movie had, had balls or something, or if they wanted to go in a really oh, dark I place, know. is that he would be so vilified that he would take the same route almost that Connor did. That's and then, and then, from and then guess what would happen? Yeah. And then what? guess what would happen? His friend would do the exact same thing to him that oh. Evan Hansen did to Connor. Yeah. You'd be like, he was my best friend. <laughs> Dude, wouldn't right. that wouldn't that be the best parallel? Because Could he was like imagine? he treated him like wow. shit the whole fucking movie, and then and then Evan Hansen's like, "Fuck it, I'm done." And then his buddies Jared or whatever is just like, Jared, yeah. "Oh, he was my best friend. I loved him. Oh, we did all these things together. Oh, and then like, oh, it's and the he, Connor." The movie ends with Jared pinning Evan's <laughs> suicide note, to and then himself. placing it on the body or some shit. Yeah, I God. it's very morose, but entertaining that is grim but yeah uh, i didn't go there i'm sorry okay I'm sorry. Uh, so I was, i'm going to the talented mr ripley angle that's what i want i, I think I, that I, would be an I, interesting I, musical it's very interesting for sure i got okay so i got the uh list of connor's books in the movie okay. in particular gotcha because they're slightly different in uh -huh. the play but the, for the movie it is cat's cradle the little mm -hmm. prince ready player one the client the giver the giver uh persopolis the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime on the road. And then mm. here's where the movie comes in is the perks of being wallflower. Oh, so we didn't really? talk about, wow. We didn't talk about the director in large, except just yeah. talk about how terrible of a job he did <laughs> is, um, the director of this is the writer and director of Persa being wallflower. Mm -hmm. So really so seminal. He, so he, he adapted people. the screenplay or he, adapt, he adapted the book into yeah. a screenplay for Persa being wallflower. Mm -hmm. and so i like that movie mm -hmm. i like that book i've read that it. book too yeah i like the book i like the book and i like the movie it is totally a book that he would read and that's like that's a good choice even if it is like a little easter that's egg thing ants. too yeah yeah oh for sure it, it's just it yeah it really kind of blows me away because the person being wallflower the movie has a visual styling that is much more interesting than this movie so it just makes me think like yeah like is it just a covid thing that's the problem or do you just like i don't know i don't get it like where this movie is so incredibly boring visually but it, person being a wallflower has way more yeah interesting stuff going on and it just really makes me think of like obviously since he wrote the source material he has such a firm grasp on the on what needs to happen and how the movie needs to be mm -hmm. that 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 benefits the movie of person being wallflower but since he didn't write this then he has no idea how to visually stylize the movie and it mm -hmm. just goes to show you of like on paper you'd be like oh here's somebody who adapted work into a movie that is similar in the content so this is a great person to do this you know because person being a wallflower content wise is incredibly similar to this um but yeah i don't know it just it blows me away about it yeah that the same guy made this because they're just it's it's stark the contrast yeah you can at least like the content itself you can see yeah why he was he was hired for for this or why that was mm -hmm. that was the choice for sure 
Um, I was just going to go through uh, any of my notes that I missed. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's see. One of my notes. What kind of high school kids email each other? Right. So Secret many emails. Even if it's fake, it's just like, who the fuck is emailing each other as like their no means one. of communication? Like, oh, yeah, we're just emailing my best friend yeah, and I. Even like Brandon, we were friends in high school. Did we ever just email each other? <laughs> Absolutely not. Even then, I there was even instant real- messenger at least. <laughs> The thing is, is like Whatever. emailing is a skill that I learned from work and in college. Like it is, it isn't even something that was, yeah, even remotely involved in my life in high school. <laughs> like, no, I, I'm good at emailing now because I've had years of working in a career position. Not, yeah, there's, uh, there's no way in hell high schoolers are emailing each other they're no. texting each other and they're predominantly not even texting each other like in actual text they're dming, DM, man. Each other they're DMing on, yeah. a, on a social app like it's just so stupid there was me. i guess that was the closest way they could try and fake something but yeah it was like all right off the bat i'm like what um and they're you all like oh i printed out other emails yeah. these emails they sent to each other um my dad died when i was one so i got you beat is how zoe uh you know there it's kind of i don't know it's pretty callous pretty fucked up yeah. Where he where he's like, yeah, my dad left me. She's like, well, mine died when I was one, so fuck you, I win. <laughs> right, but then yeah, they but keep. Evan's line was great. The the she's yeah. like, well, you've never been rich. He's like, well, clearly you've never been oh, poor. Yeah. poor. Was, I wrote that down. That I was, was like, good. nailed it. That was good. Slam, <laughs> slam city. And I liked how he was like, did I just say that? And she's like, did you just say that? <laughs> I almost did. That. See, that's so good. The movie itself was like, did we really just do that? That was pretty honest. <laughs> yeah and it was great yeah that stuff is yeah. um yeah let's see out. oh the the video of him uh giving the speech on youtube is titled his best friend died you won't believe what he does next i thought that was great um because that's probably what it would be titled i thought that was like pretty poignant like social commentary of the internet when everything else is a little tone deaf um I think, yeah, I guess that's it. It's just, yeah, I just thought that like the, the huge deal they made about that note and vilification of the family seemed insane a little bit to me of like, Oh my God, this note came out. Fuck this family. He wrote a note to his best friend before he wrote it to his family. Fuck them. Like I get there maybe be some backlash, but for it to be so quick and so stark that like Zoe's at a party and then all of a sudden everybody pulls out their phone and like, Oh my God. Oh my God. This note just dropped. Oh, we all hate Zoe now. It would never happen. It was insane. It would never happen. It would never in a million years happen that way. Um, It's just like we were talking about, uh, we watched just friends, Aaron, uh, if, if you've seen that with um, Ryan Reynolds and just married. Uh, <laughs> um, and there's a, in the beginning of it, there's a scene where Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit is shamed right. because the whole, like the party that they're at are reading a, uh, the yearbook, <laughs> like the yearbook entry that oh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds gave to Amy Adams, and uh, you're like, make fun of him. what fucking party have you ever been to where people are a just even have their yearbooks? Let's just start with that. <laughs> like, even bring. Could you imagine? You would just get shit in general if you brought your yearbook to a party, and then let alone everybody get around and be on board with hearing entries from it. That's insane. 
<laughs> and that would and it's the same situation of like it's just it's so fucking dumb and idiotic to think that anybody at that age would give a shit about how yeah. somebody feels about somebody else's family through social media interactions that are really kind of yeah like it's so stupid that okay, so yeah. yeah it's very sensationalized a lot of the stuff with internet and how instantaneous some some of it happens um Speaking of uh, which, I would like to go to the internet to look at some people's own reviews of said film that we are talking about. Um, and even some of the articles well, I, that I, I have some notes, too, if this is the time. Yeah. 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 Do you want to yeah, yeah, yeah. kick us off? Closing notes. Or no, we, well, we're, I'm going to read some reviews from critics and then audiences, and then right. we're going to give final thoughts. Uh, OK, yeah. Yeah. I'll save my my missed notes for the final thoughts section a little bit. I have some okay. bullets. I have, we haven't cool. gotten a chance. Yet. Yeah, that works. And I was going to say, I forget which article I read. I was reading some, like, there's like 10 different articles when this movie came out of critics being like, oh, why do people hate Evan Hansen? Dear Evan Hansen so much. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Here's even one. I was like, here's the 13 most cringeworthy uh, moments from uh, Dear Evan Hansen. And people just like jumping on Ben Platt and just giving him so much shit. Even, you know, we did here tonight as well. But like, right. there's a lot of critical hatred uh for for this movie and i would uh i would like to get into it with uh the new york times uh oh i was i was also gonna say i'm sorry my i i'm i'm, I'm a little spacey at the moment but i was also gonna say that uh even ben platt came out himself and said he like deleted his twitter after this movie dropped and people gave him so much shit uh you know he even made a tweet of like stop being so mean about the age thing and then they got so much hate that he just he deleted his twitter and uh and some of these reviews are like these critic one of them was like talk they actually talked to ben platt and he's like uh let me see if i can um pull it up this is this is the some of his quotes here i'll, I'll read some um he says thank you from the bottom of my heart for the outpouring of trailer love yesterday is when the trailer dropped the film required me to revisit areas of personal pain so seeing people excited and moved makes it so deeply worth it and then he added P.S. to the randos being jerks about age. Read this great article and or watch Greece. And he was saying, you know, like in Greece, there was a bunch of fucking 30 year old people. Like, why are you giving me, yeah, totally. me so much shit? Uh, but Platt told Vanity Fair, I think every everybody obviously had in their minds that I wasn't going to stay teen adjacent forever. The need to get it done was a little urgent. Then, of course, the pandemic happened. And I kind of assumed that was that it would be a no go. And by the time the pandemic was over, I'd have outgrown it. Platt said Universal Pictures started filming on Dear Evan Hansen as soon as a movie filming started up again last summer. Much to my pleasant surprise, Universal seemed to be really hell-bent hell on making it, and specifically making it with me, he said. The work of getting back into Evan's headspace was much easier than performing the show because obviously I wasn't having to recreate the entire piece each day, Platt said. But physically, it was very much the same experience. I lost about 15 pounds and did very specific diet, grew my hair out, and was shaving to make sure that I didn't look like I had five o'clock shadow all the time, you know? He said, I was just stripping myself into being a teenager for the last time, for what is hopefully the last time. Um, so yeah, those are just like some of the comments that he made. And then I was going to say he also, you know, he also said, it's like, I get the irony of everyone fucking going after this movie online when this movie is very much about internet hatred and totally. going after people online and lambasting them. So He's got to feel a certain way <laughs> about all this. All right, now I'm going to move on. New York Times gave it a 10 out of 100. Jeanette Katsoulis says, Treakly and manipulative, Dear Evan Hansen turns villain into victim and grief into an exploitable vulnerability. It made me cringe. Right. New York Times was like, hashtag cringe. Um, we'll go to uh, 
IndieWire with Tina Hassania. Uh, 25 out of 100. Unfortunately, Stephen Chbotsky's poor directorial choices cancel out the rousing success Dear Evan Hansen was on stage with a cascade of glaring distractions that continuously point out the artificiality of the genre. Uh, Ooh, interesting. Austin Chronicle. Yeah, just going after the whole fucking genre of musicals. Austin Chronicle, Matthew Monagle gave it a 30. Dear Evan Hansen is a rare musical that must be seen to be believed. Few shows are less equipped to grapple with their subject matter. Watching someone Wikipedia the plot plot synopsis of the musical in real time remains one of the last true pleasures available to us as a society. So dramatic. (laughs) It's It's, it's like such hyperbole from a fucking critic. It's crazy. Um, I'll do like two more. Wall Street Journal 30 from our good friend Joe Morgenstern. Uh, The film suffers Mm. from a different condition, an emotional elephantiasis. Elephantitis? Elephantitis. But there's no T there. It's elephant. Oh man, I'm gonna hear you guys ready. I'm gonna ask Google to pronounce it for me. I don't know if you guys are gonna be able to hear it, but I'll try to repeat what what Google says. Oh, it's not even giving me that option. Oh no, oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, forget it. El- El- elephant Titus is what I would want to say, but it's there's no T on the end there, so I guess I'm just a, not as smart as Joe Morgenstern from Wall Street Journal, which makes sense. Um, it's inexorable, inexorable, and ultimately terminal. What was by all accounts a modestly scaled production in all of its live theater iterations has become a ponderous movie that turns earnest into maudlin, lyrical into lugubrious. Ooh, lugubrious. Love that. Dang, Joe. All right. One last one from critics. Uh, 30 from uh, Times Stephanie Zacharek. This is a movie that repeatedly calls out a dead kid just to make its points. If that's your idea of entertainment or even just adequate message-based filmmaking... Run, don't walk to see Dear Evan Hansen. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a backwards way to fucking slam dunk someone. You're like, hey, are you a piece of shit? Go see it. (laughs) Uh, All right, we'll go to audience uh, reviews. They're sitting at almost at spicy 90, 88%. Let's see what they have to say. Uh, this is a four out of five from Burger Girl, uh, titled Painful, Riveting, and Enlightening. Plat is the best part of the plot, but it is all excellent. I saw a D-E-H, see, everyone's doing it, in theater with a good touring company cast. However, this chance to see Ben Platt and the role created for him was such a gift. He was 26 during filming and easily passed for 17. I have 14 grandkids and regu- regularly see their friends and schoolmates, so I know. Platt... <laughs> Platt deserved an Academy Award for his accurate portrayal of an emotionally damaged kid. Of course, his acting and amazing voice are soul-stirring for the intense songs he performs. I would give five stars if only the writers and directors had not tweaked the score and Platt a bit. There were great songs cut from the theater production. I don't know why there is so much hopelessness and mental illness in young people today, but the message in DEH is it will take all of us to recognize and acknowledge the pain and anxiety that afflicts so many of them and harness all of their society, all of our societal skills to rescue our children. Wow. Mm. Um, from RC wow. titled uh, five stars titled mental health discussed from so many viewpoints. They say the obvious person struggling to achieve mental well-being is Evan, but there's so much more here. His mom, Connor, his mom and dad and sister, all of them are trying to find a way to deal some more successfully than others. 
uh, from Alan G. Zimmer titled Movie. Five stars. This movie was great. We heard so much about it and really wanted to see it. Too bad that we could not go to Broadway to see it, but this movie made it feel almost the same. I also enjoy movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is movie. Have you heard? This is movie. Uh, we'll do one more. It's almost like the, the, the score benefited from the fact that they couldn't go see the play, so this was available mm-hmm. and that convenience when it factored in. <laughs> Got to give them credit for uh, making a to-go option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> they got a takeout menu now that's great yeah. <laughs> um from hans gundelfinger uh, oh hans titled great musical and entertaining movie five stars this is my first viewing of the story at all and i'm very pleased with what i watched its messages about mental health are prominent and we should be able to speak up and support each other about how we are feeling down about how we, we are feeling down at times the conflict that the main character goes through with his lies gets you grinding your teeth or cringing but not in a bad way. And that's because you actually care for the characters who have been presented to you. The acting was good for what they were doing. And there, there was never a moment where when I felt like I was ripped out of the story. So it's a five out of five out of me out five out of five for me. And to all the reviews who are complaining about the actor's age, playing a high school student. Yes, he is 28 playing a teenager, but so are hundreds of other actors who are high schoolers in movies like scream, Dazed and confused. Can't hardly wait American pie, etc. It's called suspension of disbelief. We watch movies to escape reality and enjoy a work of fiction, sometimes nonfiction for a few hours, not to nitpick the age of actors. I like to hear people sticking up for, for that. Um, this was a f- t- average 4.3 out of five on Amazon. Uh, five star. There were six, 68% of the reviews are five stars out of 7,389. There's a lot of people uh, coming out for this movie. Um, not the critics though. So that's, yeah, definitely that's that. <laughs> I think we've discussed pretty thoroughly, like the divisiveness right off the bat, uh, in terms of his age mm-hmm. and, and the content of the story. But, uh, Aaron, if you'd like to kick us off with your final thoughts, any of your notes and everything, um, and uh, a sure. final score as well out of 100. I got a couple, uh, you might call them fun facts. Ooh. Hell yeah. Uh, and then just some opinion based, uh, notes that I took down prior, uh, just had to be said. Uh, Colton Ryan as Connor Murphy is the absolute highlight of this movie in my mind. He would. Uh, his performance is so believable for this tortured kid struggling with profound mental issues. So great casting, great performance. And Sincerely Me is the only song of its kind in the show and is hands down the peak of the movie. Which one is that? Sincerely Me is uh, as they're writing Connor's letters and yeah. uh, Colton Ryan is on screen and uh-huh. he has a whole dance choreography. That's what uh, I put too. <laughs> in the my editing notes. is good. The dance choreography is great. Humor, it moves the, the humor works. With action and lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's and, yeah, the humor works. And most of uh, most songs in this movie, they kind of slow down, and the lyrics themselves are very much pop ballads and don't actively move the story forward. The lyrics aren't in universe dialogue. It's not mm-hmm. an opera. Mm-hmm. So the movie right. kind of stops, and action will be happening while the they're singing this song. The the song isn't the action, right. except for "Sincerely Me." It's the only song of its kind. That being said, fun fact, Sincerely Me, in my opinion, is completely stolen from the off-Broadway version of the 1989 movie Heathers, which was uh, on stage in 2014. Heathers is a black comedy Yeah, yeah. where there is a scene where two of the principal cast are writing the suicide note retroactively for a deceased classmate 
that they had a hand in the death of. Right. And as they are writing, you know, pinning their suicide note, the they grotesquely are puppeting the actress who is playing the, the dead person. Uh, and it's like campy and ghoulish uh, on purpose. And it's right. funny because Heather's is a black comedy, which is why uh, Sincerely Me feels so oddly out of place and why it's like the best song right. in the show. That's and it doesn't point. match anything else in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's stolen from, I think somebody on the team saw, uh, the off-Broadway production of Heather's, which was never like filmed or, um, never saw a wide release. So that mm-hmm. musical number only existed on that off-Broadway production. God, that sounds fun. Like I'd love to see people. that the musical of Heather's. Yeah, that sounds it, awesome. So it's not like no one that. saw it ever, but like, uh-huh. I think they must've caught a show and been like, we should do something like that. Man, if so it did more sure. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like black comedy stuff like Heather's or something. Oh that's just, God. that's what the yeah. plot required. It seemed like, yeah. If you didn't notice, uh, and you go back and you watch Dear Evan Hansen, everyone is sitting uh, for the songs. Mm. Uh, the no, the, none of the songs have dance choreography. Uh, sometimes just characters just those walking, those like, three, I'm, like the Connor and his friend and him at the dance uh, that the arcade that was the closest thing. At yeah. The arcade that's that's, that's the, the closest, closest thing. And mm. then there's uh, there's a scene where Alana and Evan are walking, and then they there's a cut like a, a jarring smash cut where now they're in the park sitting on a swing set, and then they start singing. Mm. It's like the, they hey, we better get these guys butts down real quick so they can sing because mm. we don't want to have to block choreography. Right. So in right. order, sitting on a desk or sitting at a desk, sitting on a bed, sitting in a car, sitting at a dinner table, sitting on a beanbag, sitting on a bed, sitting at a desk, sitting in a car, sitting on a couch, sitting in swing. <laughs> in order, the blocking up to the Evan and Alana song. I just stopped. I just said, et cetera, at this point. I mean, Julianne Moore is sitting on a couch later for her song as well. So yeah, <laughs> you can just it, throw another the, couch the, on there. Annoying. I was like, I feel like I have enough examples. I can stop wow. writing these down now. Wow. wow. That just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, me too. Go back and watch. Uh, then I wanted to be clear. My final thoughts are I'm not lambasting Ben Platt for being old. And I don't want to like make fun of him for like looking too old for the part. I am not shy about questioning the creative decision to stick with the son of the executive producer mm-hmm. in the principal role that he is ill-suited for in an immediately apparent visual way that is impossible to stop noticing. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, I, I got to. So there's a difference. One, they're not the same thing. So we can. Oh, I, yeah. I was definitely pointlessly dunking on like, no, but if, if you saw that guy him look younger and it just, it has the opposite effect and it makes right. him look. Yeah. And is, is there's some, there's some like stagey uh, aspects to his, his otherwise like really, you know, talented performance that like, it looks like it's for the stage mm-hmm. and it doesn't fit on screen. So like, yeah, I'm definitely pointlessly dunking on that. But like, no, but if you we were I, to I walk like around in public, I think he's a great performer. You wouldn't be like, Hey, look at that guy. He looks so fucking stupid. He looks so old. <laughs> he looks so old. No, like, like you would never, we would never do that. Yeah. No. I mean, I'll I work up, with people who are like smokers and they're like, I, I, there, there's a guy I work with who is three years older than me. He's 37. And I spent the last two straight years thinking he was like in his mid fifties. <sighs> and, and I, when I found out, I was just horrified. I was like, you're 37. That man. I was like, ben oh Platt. man, I hope you're living big. Cause you've got maybe three or four more years left like this. Tragically, you're going to die young. You should start writing some notes there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dear smoker, I work with. <laughs> Better start it's gonna be a good day. Get, some, get some emails going back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I think that, all the that's kids all are I've doing got. It. I think I think the people the the what would you give audience scores one hundred percent. Yeah, out of one hundred percent, 
I would be pretty in the critics camp and I would give it like a like a 41, 42. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I think the audience is being a little overly generous and I, I don't know where why they're like having such a blind spot for it. And maybe it's like as we covered a little earlier, like that there's there's not much that's out there trying to say anything or or taking a crack at teen mental illness. And yeah. this movie like wants to say something. It kind of fails and isn't sure how to say what it wants to say or what it wants to say exactly, but it is like out there being like something should be said. And then you're like, Oh, are you gonna say anything about it? And they're like, not really. <laughs> not really. Like, oh, well, at it's empowering. At least it feels empowering. Awareness. They're gonna, they're, yeah. This movie matches the shallowness of how teens <laughs> interact with each other. Yeah, it's like just be yourself. The movie. Now, what do Perfect. you guys think, Brandon? You wanna, you wanna go next? Yeah, I can go. Um, dear Evan, Brandon. Dear Evan, Brandini. Say it's gonna be a good day. I'm gonna talk with my friends about. The That's who they should. They should have casted Ice Cube. <laughs> yes, they should. God, <laughs> then maybe it would have been a good day. You almost—I mean, maybe he would almost scored a triple double. Ooh, not um, even have to pull out yeah, his. There's just, there's just more weed smoking in this. That would be so. <laughs> uh, I'm conflicted about this score. I, I can tell. I feel about the, yeah, it's 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 a yeah it's it's been quite a wild ride for me because I knew that this was going to happen, so I was you know, somewhat prepared for um, all of the criticism because uh, I, I, it's just, again, the things that I like about this movie, I feel like I'm doing the work to get there and the movie's not helping me with that. Mm -hmm. If anything, it hurts itself at times. Like I'm the one that has to like connect the dots, put in the work to go like, oh, this disparate idea or you know the is worth you know it's interesting that it's there but it never fulfills uh, almost anything when it comes to uh, a really strong perspective on something on you know the content of this right um I don't know, man. I just, there's a lot of this music that I really fucking love. Mm -hmm. And there are things that do get presented that I'm willing to put in the work to think about because I think it's interesting to think about. And so I surprisingly like watching it a second time. It is too long. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like, that's a, that, that to me is like a, is a really big issue because like a lot of the shortcomings of it, you know, obviously, it, some of them pretty glaring like it just it yeah as a as a person doing this podcast loving movies watching movies starting to really love musicals um i don't think i like if i were to be really honest with myself about this and i think this musical in this movie deserves it it isn't good um this movie isn't good uh it also wavers my opinion on the musical as a whole and so i I will find myself revisiting these songs, especially like waving through a window and a, a lot of these songs like I do really love, but I'm not going to watch the movie. I'm not going to go like, that's how I want to ingest these songs. I, I'll just listen to them on Spotify. So yeah. Um, I will say too, like a part of me is like, okay, so Ben Platt is a singer. Julianne Moore is an actress. These things I like, so I'm going to add, you know, those factor into my score. But overall, I'm going to give this movie a 62%, I mm -hmm. think is where I'm going to end up landing. Fresh. For me. 
Me? Barely. Barely. Do you think you could attribute how much of that is Julianne Moore? 30%. (laughs) Half of my score. (laughs) You get that 30% Julianne Moore boost. (laughs) Her song is is amazing, dude. Like in my notes, I just have Julianne Moore killing it as per usual. It's a note that I wrote. When she says painfully disagree with both of you about her song, I did not care. Really? It's pitchy. It's pitchy. The one about the truck, the one about the truck. I thought that she she prioritized acting over the singing, which is fine. The pitchiness isn't my gripe. It's uh, it's that my gripe is that I understood what the song was after about like a few lines. And then we had to sit through three minutes of it because Mm. that's how long songs are. And the (laughs) anecdote is predictable and the lyrics are repetitive. And it's like, your mom's not going anywhere. Your mom's going to stay right here. Your mom's not. Yeah, I get it. You're going to stay right here. Like, thank you. Okay, but so you could also was, understand how it wasn't Julian Howard. Yeah, I would agree with you more, but right, it's Julian. But <laughs> exactly, but also too, can you understand? I know that for fu- that that's talking about the fundamentals of the song, which is obviously worthwhile uh, to bring up and critique for sure, and factor into your opinion. But fundamentally, what that song is talking about, it, it really touched me because it's it is talking about how a mother acts a particular way because she thinks that's what is needed, but understands that she isn't like doing it right and coming to terms with that a lot yeah. of that just works really well for the, me the so. anecdote has weight and her performance is is great it's very yeah. uh very feeling heavy and mm-hmm. it's yeah that's it could yeah. have been more yeah, of like an interlude through it yeah for sure i get you I, I guess I was just I was really craving more characterization of Evan Hansen as well. And to have a little bit more history on him, even when he texted his dad about the baseball was something that was like, <sighs> you know, I don't need a lot. I like I thought that was enough, like absent, you know, but uh, yeah, I think it's just maybe that Julianne Moore bump bump for me. And about like, oh, mm-hmm. is there another like I, that second part of the song was like, is there another truck that's going to come that's going to come take mom away, too? And I just thought that was such like an. Like, I, yeah, just a touching sort of way of looking at that situation as a kid. Like a big truck comes up yeah. in the driveway. Oh, you get. To, and then the kid's just like, oh, cool, a truck. I'm like, OK, put him in the driver's seat. And he's like sitting there, like pretending to drive the truck and everything. He doesn't know what's going on. He realizes what's going on. And then his next question is like, are you going to be taken away, too? Is like, oh, oh, oh Evan, poor Evan. Yeah. So and that, like, that's where he's yeah. coming from. And that's who he that's how he's grown as a person like was kind of what I was craving. And then a Julianne Moore song, I was a little nervous at first. I was like, Ooh, she can sing. I don't know. It's a little pitchy, but then I liked that. It was so raw and, and kind of rough of, of her almost seeming like she was going to cry or, or something throughout. Like all. Say, yeah, struggling to get tears. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like in totally. this case, it works. I think Julianne's Julianne Moore's decision to prioritize that, like the acting over the, the singing performance was worked here. Whereas like there are times it doesn't like Anne Hathaway choosing to prioritize that same way in Les Miserables, wrong. Like, just mm. you made the wrong choice. You should have prioritized the singing. I feel like we're going to get into that when we start when we have our discussion about uh, family, family opera. opera. Is it Emmy, yeah. Emily Emmy Rossum or whatever is. Oh yes, I'm sorry. They just in my mind they're very similar. They are similar. Yeah, I wonder if Les, Les Miserables is uh, polarizing. I gotta. I almost think I gotta bring it up here. That's a good question. I I have no idea. It is uh it was well received. 6979. So it's a, it's a, it's about about even. But anyways, I'll get into oh, okay. my my final yeah, thoughts. I feel like I, I expressed a lot of how I felt. I think this plot is weird. I am like <laughs> fascinated by it. So like that brings me in the door. Uh the movie version and how they visualized it for for this medium was unsuccessful to say the least. Um 
I, I, like, I don't have to go into how he's his age or anything like that. Naturally, like, I think anyone can look at this and be like, naturally, that doesn't fucking work. Like, we all get it. Like, it doesn't work. We don't, I don't need to go on about that. Um, but the, the characterization and how the movie felt about its own, own characters, whether it be the best friend championing him as like comic relief when that was actually like upsetting all of the things that he was saying and they were thinking it was funny tells me there's a real disconnect over how they feel about about their own production um how they feel you know how evan hansen is is portrayed was backwards for me and to the point where like this plot is so weird i'm not sure what the successful version of it is and i would almost like have to see the stage play or have to hear some of these missing songs maybe which i'm not going to do the work for um but damn it, this was such the perfect movie for our podcast. I'm so glad I watched it and like we we dove into it. I thought this has been such uh, an enlightening discussion. I'm glad, Brandon, that you are taking your position and your opinion. I'm glad we've kind of had uh, whether it be disagreements or just different 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 opinions because that doesn't. Yeah. I don't know we're usually pretty magnetized uh, foreshadowing uh, on our opinions of movies and what uh, and whatnot. We're usually kind of in the in the same ballpark, but this is. This is one where, yeah, I think I'm going to go more like 30s, 40s. I think I'm going to do 36 because uh, it just it just failed on a lot of what it was trying to do in its own mind. And when you can tell that the movie language is just so grinding against how I'm looking at it and how they're looking at it is uh, is is tough when it's something, especially like a comedy or, or a musical where you really got to be on their side. Um, but that doesn't mean I, yeah, I didn't mean, doesn't mean I hated the music. Doesn't mean I hated all the performances. There's nuggets like Alana. Like I liked her song. I like Julianne Moore's song, Amy Adams. I always love Amy Adams. Um, you know, and, and, and her performance and, and she had some rough moments to try to portray. Um, and I, yeah, I can sense an energy in the music and the, and the singing that, uh, they believe this is going to work. They are all in on, on this and they want it to work. So that, that does a little something where it's like, oh, this, this is important to them. And they are putting a lot of, it's not like no one's like asleep on the set. I feel like people are, are engaged in their and they're doing their, their best, Fair. best work to it, to an extent. It just does not work for me. Um, and it's, yeah, when you can't even, when the plot doesn't even make sense to you, like how this, this is possible. <laughs> it's like, it's hard for me to like be into it i if there was again like my 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 thing is like if it was a more talented mr ripley sort of like black i love that heather heather's idea if it leaned more into that idea maybe i might like it more otherwise i think i just have to see the stage play i'm actually craving to go see uh see a production or something so let's all let's all do it guys let's go see Uh, let's go see live theater it's been too long for me i i feel like i'm i really want want to there's a mean girls in la right now so if you guys want to go see mean girls the musical I'm, I'm super fucking. That <laughs> sounds like I'm a blast. It so sounds down. like kind of like the Heather's thing, um, but yeah, that's that's all. Brandon, uh, I believe you have a segment. Yes, I do. Uh, a little game. So typically, so typically, so we've done this game before, but typically James is the one that helms it. So I wanted yes. to t- take the reins uh, on this one uh, this time around. So that James are you saying to, you're the captain yeah. now? I am uh, the captain now. <laughs> um, you got yeah, so uh, this is called. Uh, Does someone have something in their teeth? No, that's the bit. No, look at look at my teeth. I'm the oh, captain. Now. I am the captain. Now. I am the captain. Now. I am the captain. Shot and his teeth are so bad in that. Yeah, that's right. I thought you. Were, I, was, I thought I had like spinach in my teeth for a second. No, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> cilantro. Um, <laughs> clean, clean choppers. Thanks. 
So yeah, the, uh, so this segment is called Magnetized. So welcome to this part of the podcast where we're going to do a game in which uh, I it is going to be best out of three or best out of our first to three best out of five, right? Is how you would say that. Best three out of five. Um, where I am going to give you a so why this is called Magnetize in relation to Polarize is that the movies I'm going to give you uh, both some movies that you are going to take a guess at what the score that has been given to this movie and this these particular movies the score is the same from the critics and the audience wow okay got it you, you, you kind of get what i'm uh, what i'm saying aaron so yeah um and you have you're to just gonna be getting you're gonna you're gonna be picking that score so out of 100 percent, you're gonna give me a score what you think this movie that critics and audience is perfectly aligned on okay and then um as a guest, you're going to go first, and then uh, so you're going to give your score. Then James is going to give his, and then I'll let you know what it is. And then it is, yeah. So best, whoever's closest, yeah, first to three or best out of five, whatever, um, is the winner. Okay, okay, got it. All right, you're going so the down. First, the first movie. I feel like going second gives you an advantage, but okay. Hey, you can, oh, <laughs> no, you can pick. Pick. You pick first. Oh, yeah. Second. Okay. second, I'll go first. No, no. Well, maybe we should alternate. Okay. Well, you, you get to pick five, it. Five for this here. first round, you are the guest. You get to pick whether you go I'll, first. I'll, I'll go first this for this first one. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the movie is. I want to pick something pretty relevant. Avatar. The first one, not Way of Water. Avatar, the first one. Uh, obviously not the Last Airbender. Yes, definitely. I mean, maybe uh, I haven't looked it up, but maybe audiences and critics agree on how terrible that movie is. My, my guess is that audiences and critics agreed to rate the original Avatar very highly. Okay. So, I'm not going to say I, whether that's true, but yeah. Okay. I'm going I'm yeah. I'm to go for 97. 97, 97 from Aaron. For Avatar? From, for Avatar, numero uno. Mm, I'm going to say 92. Okay, so we got 97 from Aaron and 92 from James. Spicy 92. Spicy 90s, both of you guys say. The score is 82%. So we got oh ah, James okay. coming in on, coming okay. in on number one. 82. Okay, so yeah. we'll do... We'll, We'll do a snake draft like uh, kind of Aaron was alluding to. So now yes, this time, James, go you go first mm -hmm. and then Aaron will go second. Roger. Okay. The next movie is Whiplash. 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 The this is uh, the guy who directed La La Land. So that's a that's a perfect perfect choice, right? Isn't it? Uh, it is. Uh, Damien uh, Giselle. Yeah, yeah, he's got Damien Babylon Giselle. that just came out. Um, Whiplash. Whiplash. I'm gonna go 87. Okay, 87 from James. 87. Aaron. Whiplash. Damien Giselle just uh, released a movie called Babylon, and uh, yeah, he did La La Land. J.K. Simmons, Miles Teller. Yep. Bloomhouse too production. Oh really? Oh yeah. So you, you said eighty. What did you say? Eighty-seven for Whiplash. Mm. That seems high. Mm. I'm. I'm gonna go with. Am I late? Am I high? Am I seventy-four? Seventy-four. The rating for Whiplash is ninety-four percent. Oh my wow. god! Wow, spicy. James, you're on fire. Spicy James is. On fire! Dang. One more, and you got it. I, I, I am trolling right now. Sheesh. 
Okay, so the next movie I have for you guys is Tammy and the T-Rex. This is a movie, oh one, of, one, of the, one of the first movies for Paul Walker and uh, Denise Richards. It came out in, uh, um, oh God, what year was it? It was like in the early 90s, I want to say. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, let me read you the plot if you're unfamiliar, Aaron. <laughs> Please read the plot of Tammy and the T Rex. <laughs> yeah, Tammy and the T Rex. A teen, Denise Richards, learns that a scientist, Paul Walker, implanted her dead boyfriend's brain into an animatronic dinosaur. <laughs> it never gets old. Every time I think it's going to be a real dinosaur, but then I always forget that it's an it's, a, it's, it's an, an animatronic anim dinosaur. It's so animatronic dinosaur. Crazy. What year was this? Uh, let me look up the year uh, 1994. 90s? Yeah, 1994. Tammy and the T-Rex. I'm like, I was around in the 90s, and I don't remember this movie <laughs> at all. Oh, well, it's again one of the one of the early movies for Paul Walker and Denise Richards. Um, pretty good cast. Batshit, batshit crazy, bat fucking shit. nuts. You know what's also crazy? Why I picked this too is that you can watch the intro of it in the new video game High on Life. There's also uh, Oh, I still really need to play High on Life. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It just mm -hmm. seems up my alley. It seems seems like a good time. It's on so Game Pass, so I mean one of the like funniest games I've ever played. A lot of game like it's hard to get yeah. get game that's actually funny. It's like actually pretty funny. Funny writing. It's I just like some good. some light, you know, maybe some light appetizers after Elden Ring. So Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Elden Ring hilarious. <laughs> so <laughs> so something a little lighter after such a heavy meal. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with like thirty-four. For Tammy and the Tammy, oh, that, that I think that's a great guess. Thirty-four percent, pretty okay. Damn, I think that's a good 30, guess. Very, lo very low. Thirty-four. I'm gonna go forty-eight. The score for Tammy and the T-Rex is forty-three percent. Whoa! No, wait. So that I was only five off. Okay, so you were like nine off, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's game uh -huh. over. Damn. That is game over, James. Oh, coming. Do you in. want to do one more wow. for uh, like all or nothing? Yeah. I'll do one more for all or nothing. I don't care. I'll do one more. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna do an all or nothing. Uh, I or got how about more. if you if or yeah, all or nothing. This is you because you have all, all, all or nothing. All or yeah, nothing. That sounds it. good. I want to do another one. This is fun. So yeah, yeah. the inventor <laughs> of this game more. must be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're going to go with the next movie is a 2018 film with an ensemble cast called Tag. Oh if you God. don't know uh, about Tag, it is one month every year, five highly competitive friends hit the ground running for a no-holds-barred game of Tag, risking their necks, their jobs, and their relationships to take one another down. Do uh, I go first on this? A couple people in this movie, because uh, again, it is uh, five highly competitive friends. Those friends are Ed Helms, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner, and Jake Johnson. That's four, and then I think it's. It sounds like the, this movie. Uh, Hannibal Burris is the last one. This movie sounded sounded like one of those like sketches on SNL that like was near the end. Uh, that became a movie, <laughs> and then was like not that good. And it had no right being. Yeah, I had no right doing. <laughs> like, let's make a movie out of it. This was 2018, you said? 20, 2018, yeah. Tag. Is it? Am I going first? Yeah, you're going first. You're going first, yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, 62. I want to say 69, 69, but I don't think it's that high. <laughs> I don't think it's that high. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to 
pull the absolute. It's probably lower. Move. It's probably much lower than sixty-two. Yeah, I think I'm gonna just pull the the absolutely cutthroat move. Price is right. Are you price is writing one, it. One below you. You twice son of a bitch. Yep. Oh 61. my. He's price god. is writing it. Oh my god, he's price is writing it. Okay. Sixty-one. I, I gotta get one. I, you got I can't. It. I'm trolling. I've had, I'm 0 for 3 here. You got it. Okay, so the score for tag is 56%. Wow. Yes. Well done. Well done. Oh, boy. Oh, we were close. You were good at this, James. I was, I was like, worried. You were so close with your guess, too, with 62. Like, I, you're six off. I mean, I am the inventor of the game. I, I uh, am the inventor of the podcast. <laughs> we are the inventor of the podcast. <laughs> So it's just, so I like those nubbies. Yeah. I like those rotten tomato nubbies. Because anytime I present yeah. this to Brandon, he's also insanely good at this game to the <laughs> point where he has gotten like on the spot multiple times I've the exact the fucking oh, numbers. So he's even better. He's even better at it. So I, I don't know. We've been in this uh, rotten tomatoes world for too long <laughs> or something. Yeah, good, um, good game. GG, you win. It's and uh, GG. So uh, yeah, we'll polarize. We'll send you uh, an envelope. Right rules, rules of something uh, in the mail don't don't worry about it okay hell yeah guys um this has been such a fucking blast i think this is one of our best eps yet yeah um hope it hasn't gone too long for anybody out there but we just have been su- having such a good time hope it hasn't gone too long for you aaron thank you so much for joining us please come back anytime we we love to have you you're so eloquent with your with your words and you're fucking hilarious with your uh <laughs> comparisons oh, of I, a ghoulish, I love, love a ghoulish ben, Pl- ben platt <laughs> is something <laughs> that is so funny to me and I'm, if i ever for every reason whatever reason i hear or see this movie again that's going to be like my first thought so i thank you for that <laughs> yeah i'm glad you like my musings i love them and i, I can't wait them. to have you back i'm so glad to catch you, catch up with really you about it. about a movie even if we don't talk enough as as buddies uh this is so much fun to to drink a little whiskey i've been having a nice mccallan and discussing a movie with my buds it's like one of my favorite things ever i, I feel like it. on top yeah. of the world Can't right beat now. It. um love you guys and love for you. this next portion love you too guys uh i will announce the movie for uh next week we are going to be talking about a critically favored we're switching it up critically favored almost a spicy 90 uh movie starring brad pitt it is ad astra from 2019 a certified fresh from the critics, 83% with a rousing 398 reviews. And from 10,000 reviews from the audience, they give it a 40. Um, not, they're like icy cold of, from the depths of space on this one. Um, and I'll read the synopsis real quick if anyone hasn't heard of it. 30 years ago, Clifford McBride led a voyage into deep space, but the ship and the crew were never heard from again. Now his son, a fearless astronaut, must embark on a daring mission to Neptune to uncover the truth about his missing father and a mysterious power surge that threatens the stability of the universe. Um, a real heart of darkness in space situation here uh, that, we, that we'll be jumping into. Um, if you guys would like to watch us uh, live as we do this, we are on twitch.tv slash polarized pod. Um, we've gotten some, some lovely uh, chiming chimings ends of from a certain mug what wtf 12 this episode they say uh alana deaf has a larger role in this movie than the broadway show she even has her own song in the movie that isn't included in the play which makes her a more important character to the plot than jared it's the other way around in the play with jared used as more of a pivot character for evan to play off of more so very 
sound commentary and almost sounds smarter than I ever have in this whole podcast about <laughs> uh, commentating on a movie. So if you'd like to have your comment ever read on uh, on the podcast, please join our Twitch and um, who knows, we'll uh, we'll throw your musings as well onto uh, onto uh, wax. That's right. We're recording on wax. Um, Brandini been a true pleasure. Uh, oh, I was, I forgot some, if you, we're on twitter.com slash polarized pod as well. You can Gmail us polarized the pod at gmail.com. Brandini, give it to you. Anything else you want to say to the no, people out uh, there? But, but, but please, uh, if you can, if you're listening out there and implore you to rate us on Spotify, on, uh, Apple podcast, it does a lot for us. Yeah, that would be huge. Um, Apple Podcasts, if uh, throw a little uh, little ditty about how you feel and a, and a rating would go a long way. We're a small podcast that has been going for over a year now. It's been a lot of fun. We just had our 69th episode nice uh, last week. Yeah. This is our 70th, I think. We're having such a great time. We hope you are too. Um, Aaron, I thank you again. And, thank uh, you again, Aaron. We'll see you next yeah, thanks time. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.